Well, good afternoon, church family. It's a joy to be able to join you as we spend a few moments in the Word of God this afternoon on this beautiful, sunny uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, March the 3rd of 2021. Uh, and today we're going to be continuing in our study in Psalm 119 as we take a look at verses 121 to 128 in uh, titled Aen uh, as the heading of this section uh, of Psalm 119. And I've entitled this, Longing for God's Word to be Fulfilled. And so before we uh, read our text this morning and spend those few moments together, let's bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we do thank you for uh, this beautiful uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the sun is shining, and uh, Lord, it's even showing signs of warmth of uh, pre-spring-like weather. And Lord, we do thank you for the reminder of your continual sustaining power in relation to all that you've made. And uh, Lord, as we glean for a few moments from your word this afternoon, we ask that you would just teach us, uh, that you would make us moldable, and that you would shape us uh, in the uh, way in which we'll honor you and glorify you the most. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 119, uh, starting in verse 121, says this, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. As we begin this next section, uh, and like I said, I've entitled uh, it, uh, Longing for God's Word to be Fulfilled. Uh, today, we're only going to look at the very first two verses, uh, verses 121 and 122, uh, as we begin unpacking this uh, next section. Let me reread them for you. It says, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give me or give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insulin oppress me. So these two coupled verses, uh, the reason why they're together is because it's actually a, a rare occurrence in Psalm 119. Uh, because these two verses do not explicitly mention the word of God. And as you know, when we began studying Psalm 119, that we shared many different words that were uh, utilized uh, by the author to uh, give a different picture and a different aspect of the Word of God. But these two verses here, as we begin this section, uh, do not have any explicit mention of the Word of God. Uh, the psalmist here appears to be reflecting on the actions of those around him and what his response is going to be to them. So verse 121 there says, I have done what is just and right. Now, this is not the psalmist, as it were, tooting his own horn or puffing himself up. This is no uh, sense, any self-righteousness on his part, because we already know as we've look, taken a look at all the previous sections is that the psalmist knows his shortcomings. Uh, he knows uh, also the victories that God has afforded him as he gives testimony to that. Uh, and in this verse, the victories are listed as those things that are just and right. 
even though he is surrounded by those who are continually unjust and wrong. And so his, you know, call on the Lord is to not leave him or leave me to my oppressors. See, the psalmist would much rather be in that mode, in that arena of being just and right before God. To realize that, you know, apart from God, he would be just like those around him, unjust and wrong. But the psalmist knows that God can give him the victory and that, as we've looked in previous verses, that the word of God is the channel through which those victories come because God's word is eternal and the God whose word it is is the one that he looks to for help, uh, for guidance and to know how he should act in the world around him. Then verse 122 goes on to say, uh, Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. See, the, the psalmist here is calling on God to engage in good on his behalf. And this is in opposition to those who are oppressing him. And we know uh, firsthand that the weight of oppression can weigh heavy upon our hearts upon our minds and upon our souls when it becomes the primary focus. And oftentimes when we are living life, it's hard to redirect our focus off of those heavy weights, those things that can pull us down, those um, thoughts that can weigh us uh, heavy in our minds and our hearts and our souls. Uh, And so the psalmist knows that there needs to be a redirect, uh, as it were, an about face, where he is not going in the same direction towards that which would pull him down, but instead remembering what is true about his God. And so he's calling on God. He says, give your servant. So he's establishing that he belongs to God and that God is the one who is his master. And he's saying, give your servant a pledge of good. So he's calling on God to provide to provide the very thing he needs to be able to not only overcome those who oppress him, uh, as he says earlier, so that he can continue to do that which is just and right, uh, but so that he is not, uh, you know, left into the hands of those who are insolent and who oppress him. And what it did is it reminded me of another psalm, and that's what we're going to spend our last moments together this afternoon uh, taking a look at uh, is Psalm 91. Uh, because it speaks to God being the one who is uh, the, the provider. Uh, and there's three things that we're going to notice here in these verses that I'm going to share with you uh, that God provides. Uh, and, you know, and this will tie in with what the psalmist says here in Psalm 119, where he's saying, you know, asking God for a pledge of good. You know, God, be who you are. Give me what you know I need. Provide for me in the way that will best help me to remain just and right, even in a world that oppresses me. And so Psalm 91 begins uh, there in verses 1 and 2. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so the psalmist here is in these opening two verses shows that God provides a defense Uh, God gives us exactly what we need so that we can feel safe. Uh, That at the moment of trouble, when the enemy comes to attack, uh, we can say that God is our refuge. And you'll notice here in the psalm that it is very personal. 
because it, he says in verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. See, when God is your God, he is the one who will provide a defense for you. Because you can abide in the shadow of the Almighty to know that there is nothing that God answers to. There is nothing that is going to cause God to shrink back or not do what is consistent with his character. But instead, God will deliver. God will provide a defense. Uh, just like the psalmist is saying, you know, Lord, give me that pledge of good. Let me know that you've got me no matter what is happening around me or what people are doing to me. And then the psalm goes on in verses 3 through 13 to show that God provides deliverance. It says, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will beat or bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And so this psalm here is, is uh, pointing out that the safest place to be in the entire world is to be in the shadow of the Almighty because he is the one who delivers. Now, we may not find exactly the same things that are being spoken of here directly in this psalm, but there are things that we can think of in life where we know that our God will deliver us uh, uh, you know, from things that will cause us harm. Uh, God will give us victory over sin. God will give us eventual victory over those who oppress us, whether it's in this life or the next, because God can do no less. And you'll notice that in these verses 3 through 13, uh, it, it says he will in verse 3. In verse 4, it says he will. Uh, in verse 3 or 4, it actually goes on to say you will find. Verse 5, you will not uh, verse 8, you will only. Verse 11, for he will. Verse 13, you will tread. This is all affirmative language. This will happen because it is not based in the individual that is coming into the shadow of the Almighty. It is based in the Almighty himself. He will accomplish these things. He will be the one that guards you. And as we know, uh, you know as believers in this day and age, as we take a look at the word of God, that God is still today our refuge and our fortress, the God in whom we can trust. Uh, and he will uh, be there right by our side uh, to deliver us, which sometimes means that that is delivering us to the end, not delivering us from something in the middle of it. Sometimes he gives us the grace that is sufficient 
that will help us to be able to endure or to bear up under what we're facing. He does not always remove the things that are difficult because he knows that those things will build character, that they will build trust, they will, that they will strengthen our faith. So not only does God provide a defense, he provides deliverance. And then finally, in verses 14 through 16, he provides assurance. It says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, these are the blessings from God. That uh, God is there with us. That he will deliver. That he will protect. That he will answer. That he will be with us in the time of trouble. That he will rescue and honor. And he will satisfy him and show him salvation. See, these are all the things that, that provide assurance for the believer. That God will do that which is good for each and every one of us. Now, God's good may not be what we want, but we know that God will never do that which is not for our benefit, not for our good, no matter what shape or form that may take, no matter how long that may take. Uh, The point being here is the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, he says, give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. So he's calling on God to provide, provide me with a defense, provide me with the deliverance that will be for the very uh, benefit of me as well as those around me, but also provide me with the assurance that God, you are with me and will do what you said you will do. And it reminded me of the words of the hymn, O Worship the King. And with this, I close. O worship the King, all glorious above, O gratefully sing his power and his love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of his might and sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Your bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain. And sweetly distills in the dew, in the rain. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in you do we trust, nor find you to fail. Your mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. O measureless might, unchangeable love, whom angels delight to worship above, your ransom creation with glory ablaze, in true adoration shall sing to your praise. So remember and worship the King. Remember the God who provides that his good is for our good. And that no matter what we may find ourselves facing, no matter what may be bearing down upon you today, you can trust in the might of the one who is the maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the reminder of just how great you are, uh, that you are uh, the king and you are worthy of worship. We thank you that you are our maker, defender, 
redeemer and friend. And Lord, we pray as we continue to face the challenges of this life and with many of its uncertainties that you would give us the ability to keep our focus upon you, that you would do a pledge of good for us as those who belong to you, just as the psalmist called on you to do. Uh, And Lord, we know that you are faithful and you will accomplish all your good purpose. Uh, And we ask for that in our lives each and every day. Uh, Lord, I pray that you watch over the church family Uh, today. Lord, I pray that as they have opportunity to stop and to spend time in prayer with you uh, throughout the remainder of this week, that they would do so, uh, that they would look forward to the time at which we can join together and worship you uh, in person uh, as we gather for corporate worship. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, church family. Have an awesome Wednesday and remainder of the week as we uh, continue to look to the Lord who is our uh, Redeemer and friend. God bless you. Have a great Wednesday.